Conservation, it happens one yard at a time. Welcome back to another Coffee Time Wednesday with your favorite host, Nicholas, my co-host Kent, and his co-co-host, Peyton. I'm co-host to the co-host. If you've wow. never joined us before. Dwight Scandridge, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Yeah, Dwight. <laughs> uh, if you've never been here with us before, we each bring one uh, piece of information, whether it's news or old or something interesting to the table, and then... We talk about the facts, and then we make up a bunch of stuff that are not facts, and then we laugh. So, <laughs> Kent is bringing us in today. What do we got, Kent? Well, uh, this is a topic that I considered using the last couple weeks. I think it's pretty interesting, and it's Super Bowl season, so uh, it's you know good to talk a little sports. Uh, unfortunately, I was kind of pulling for the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow. I think really? A, I think he's a... I feel like Joe Burrow, like everyone credits him for being like a cool, smooth dude. I think what's actually going in his brain is like nothing. And he's like like actually frantic. And he's like, if I don't say anything, then they're not going to know that I'm a fraud. And he just... I mean, he's a good player. Wow. Spoken like a uh, Baltimore fan, maybe? or uh, <laughs> No, no, no. I, I don't mind Pittsburgh? Joe Burrow. But <laughs> everyone's like, man, I love his fashion. I, lo- I love how he acts. And I'm no, like, I, couldn't, eh. I couldn't care less about that. The, you don't like the, his pink dress he, or pink uh, suit he's been wearing? Just uh, Ken uh, also has a pink suit he wears every Friday to work. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I I think, um, I don't know, he's just a good player. He, was, he has kind of a cool story how he, you know, didn't, he got overlooked coming up through college and everything and then boom here he is back to back years in the afc championship game and i think nick is just upset because his team is the seahawks and their former quarterback russell wilson had a personality you could describe as like expired milk (laughs) (laughs) oh no yeah so so i mean i was kind of hoping so the story would be even better if joe burrow was in the super bowl because joe burrow was recently in headlines along with blake griffin and if i remember correctly it the article may have insinuated that other athletes have been doing this as well, but they're kind of the two big names. What, what's Ooh. his name? Scotty Pippen did it. That's how he did made he? his fortune. He made no money off of basketball. I, I did. I did see in the last dance that he was uh, woefully underpaid. Yeah. He was in the NBA. Poor guy. Shout out to Scotty Pippen for being a, the unsung hero there. But anyways, uh, Joe Burrow and Blake Griffin have been buying farmland here in Iowa. And, uh, I don't, you know, sometimes in these coffee time things, and this is part of being a conservation, uh, being in the business of conservation, I guess you could say, you're always fighting from your back. You're always the underdog. And so you can kind of just be out here like lobbing pot shots at what problems are. And I don't know that there necessarily is a a problem here to to really talk about with uh, pro athletes buying land, but I think it does kind of illustrate the reality that uh, you know, if you want to buy farmland, uh, you got to have a pretty uh, tall stack of money to, you know, especially here in Iowa, be in the game. And, um, you know, the you could go down a real rabbit hole there with like birthright into having that kind of yep that kind of financial setup you know kind of born into the farming business i guess when you're uh you know built like a pro athlete and you get to uh have farmland kind of continues that idea but also cool to see some young guys wanting to diversify and their financial you know uh, their their future 
from a financial standpoint. You know, similar to those young guys, some uh, old guys over in Asia, some old Chinese guys are also buying up farmland. I Peyton, how much did you find earlier? It's actually not that much farmland. How, how much is it? They own less than 0.5% of all farmland. Hmm. Um, Chinese nationalists, so like members of the Communist Party, own less than like 0.5% of the farmland in the United States. But I think our... Oh, I don't even want to get political here. We've made a really big deal about it when in reality what they're doing is buying some... Uh, down? Do I need to turn it down? No, 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 no. You're, you're like you're talking on your hand. Oh, it'll be fine. Um, they're not buying that much farmland. It's they're buying it close to military sites. Ah. Which is more of a national security issue versus a national food issue, which is what I think it's been warped into by the public perception. Hmm. I don't. Wow, just, that did get political, man. Now this is turning into a conspiracy theory uh, podcast. <laughs> just, oh no, I don't know. I, they they own farmland, and I don't know what it's for. But Bill Gates is the single greatest farmland owner, uh, with like two hundred seventy five thousand acres. How often do you need to get fact checked? <laughs> <Dude. laughs> like we need a guy. No, 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 dude, 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 dude. I, I'll look it up right now. So interesting though about that topic. This was another topic I wanted to. I've been kicking around bringing up. And uh, uh, my buddy, uh, Luke Fritch, who I think his episode drops this week, um, but he uh, sent me this article about how um, historically foreign investors, so not just China, but anyone from outside the U.S. buying farmland was able to get uh, like federal loan uh, servicing. Mm-hmm. to buy that land here in America. And uh, our uh, longtime senator here in Iowa, Chuck Grassley, has, uh, I think, been a leading voice in trying to uh, take that away, take that financing, financial aid, for lack of a better term, away from foreign investors wanting to buy American hmm. farmland. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh... I hope that goes through. We, Peyton and I just looked at uh, old Billy Gates, and uh, the Guardian says he owns about two hundred forty-two thousand acres. AP News says he owns about two hundred sixty-nine thousand acres. He's he's got some ground. He's got yeah, some ground. I, a lot he, of it. Free country. He can do what he wants. You know what I mean? I uh, I'm not here to tell you you can't buy some land. Um, if uh, if you were given two hundred thousand acres, evenly kind of spread across the United States, what would you do with it? I'd turn uh, almost all of it into public land. Really? I would raise wild hogs to release into Canada, I think. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <War> on Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. That's that's rough. All right. Peyton, what do you got? I got... Why don't you go? I, I, I'll go. I'll go. Yours is more interesting than mine, I think. So, uh, mine is about Team Trees. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. It's uh, Mr. Beast. I maybe the most famous YouTuber, a famous YouTuber yeah. is uh, his goal was 24 million trees. And basically people would donate a dollar and he had it set up where every dollar would plant one tree. Um, and they're at 200 or 24,300,000 trees. And let's look at some of the biggest donors. We've got Elon Musk with 1 million trees, um, plants versus zombies, uh, which I guess is a phone game. Uh, donated 500,000 trees. Uh, What I think is funny is that Mr. Beast himself 
donated a hundred thousand trees. Then a guy named Alan Walker donated a hundred thousand and one trees. Musical artist. <laughs> yep, just uh, <laughs> some random musical, musical artist. Alan Walker, not some guy. Yeah, and then Mr. Beast was like, "Oh, I'll do a hundred thousand and two trees." So he is behind it. He's apparently donated a couple hundred thousand dollars to his own his own cause. But uh, isn't that isn't that cool? It's not like. Like, some celebrities are like, yeah, I'm going to do my due diligence, and I'm going to talk about the issue. And then Mr. Beast was like, I'm going to give all of my money to the issue. There was a, a, The other day, he came out with a video where he, like, paid for a thousand people to have a surgery that gave them their eyesight back. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, like, going back to that idea of if you had all this sudden wealth, I mean, that that to me is just so much more powerful than owning x number of houses or you know just having more stuff like like the power to literally change people's lives for the better that i think would be the greatest gift for that kind of wealth i don't know we can all change people's lives for the better there are a few people in the world that can change the world for the better yeah, and this true. guy is one of them and he is yeah. doing it and it is really cool he uh he has such a big audience tell him what you saw the other day that for the super bowl Oh, um, yeah, I, I guess we're talking about Mr. Beast on our little agricultural podcast now, but <laughs> it costs, I think, $23 million for a 30-second ad in the Super Bowl, but you could reach more people by being a sponsor to Mr. Beast for a lot less money than $23 million, which huh, it's not like <laughs> applicable for us in any way, nope. but it's, we're not coughing up. Any percentage of that money anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, so if Joe Burrow, if you're looking for an investment, um, other than farm ground, I guess sponsor a YouTuber. <laughs> there you go. A lot more a lot more reach. Yeah. yeah. I uh, Real quick, before we take off. So he had it like marked out throughout the world. It wasn't just in one place. So they have like different projects. Some of them are completed. Like California, they're replacing a lot of the forest fires from the car and campfire. And if you guys have listened to our podcast, I've talked about it a little bit. I was there. It was exciting. You could literally, <laughs> it, it, at night, it was, the flames were so big and so red from like outside the city. They were like 15 miles away. You could just like see, hmm. like not quite like it was day, but it was like brighter than any moon I've ever seen. And uh, so they've replaced 100,000 trees there. The Dominican Republic, uh, 200,000. Florida, almost a million trees. 450 in Georgia. A million in Haiti. So it's cool. They're just like spreading out the trees, different kinds of trees. And uh, yeah, so conservation, that's cool. Peyton? Listen, listen. I wanted to talk about the wild pigs again. I really did. I've become somewhat of an expert on them after, I think, two straight weeks of talking about <laughs> wild pigs. got a PhD in PIG. Yeah, yeah. But I decided to save everyone else, and I am going to talk about fish farming in Iowa. I... uh my girlfriend's mother they live in washington the state not the town or the the city on the east coast um they ship this there's a couple million versions of the name washington that all are geopolitical hey hey fun fact the most the the most common name for a street is second street because usually the first street gets renamed to washington or jefferson or maine or maine and it gets split up between you know those common names so it's always second street anyway not the street or the town but the state shipped us crab um on dry ice and that had to cost an exuberant amount of money um and the crab was delicious fossil fuels shout out to uh, your girlfriend's mom yeah yeah heidi i know you're not listening but you rock um (laughs) anyway 
the fish farm, I was doing research on like if you could basically do saltwater um, fish of some kind in Iowa or like the Midwest at all and make a market off it. And I didn't find anything that's necessarily saltwater related, but I found a news article from 2017 about a family um, of farmers that switched from doing a lot of, uh, I think it was uh, uh, cow um, production, and they switched to um, fish. And they did the math, and it takes about six pounds of grain and 1,800 gallons of water per pound of beef when it only takes a pound of grain and seven gallons of water for not barracuda, but some type of fish. So they did that for years and years. That's um, crazy. And they got bought out a little bit ago, but it was just so cool that they basically found a less wasteful way to grow um, protein for um, really a product that you can't find in Iowa or in the Midwest because we are incredibly landlocked. What did, um, how, did, how did they, where do they keep the fish? In tanks. In so tanks? they had all these tanks and they, they found, I don't know if they designed it themselves or got this idea of something else, but they found a really cool way to aerate it to where, um, so the, they could put oxygen into the yeah, water. Yeah. They put basically. oxygen into the water. That's cool. And then another thing they did, which was really cool is they had lights going that would stimulate uh, sunrise and sunri- sunset six times a day to make the fish grow faster and have them eat because their little fish brains would say oh sunrise time to what? time to snack <laughs> so they so their little to, fish brains yeah they'd get them to eat more and grow quicker as well which i thought is pretty pretty smart and that's wild ingenious but yeah they uh they sold what if out we could do that with humans texas shrimp company um years and years ago so i couldn't find any oh like, bummer really it'd be cool, cool to have those people on, like on the podcast because they've yeah. made such an interesting pivot yeah. to a much more efficient way to doing things. That's what we like here, guys. We like we like uh, uh, healthy efficiency. Because I will be the first to tell you, I do not care about farming at all. <laughs> That's why Peyton works in well, our office. And I'm, you know, conservation is what pays my bills, so I I get to care about that. But man, I just think it's really cool when people do a lot of innovative um, stuff like this and find new ways. And more efficient ways to produce things that um, were kind of out of reach before. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are probably told growing up, I was told growing up, you know, by the time I would be old enough, because I wanted to farm, by the time I'd be old enough to do that for a career, it wouldn't be an option. But there's ways to kind of backdoor your way into it, even on small, you know, a relatively small piece of ground. I can't imagine that to have a fish operation like you just talked about fish farm you need you know hundreds if not thousands of acres to have a pretty you know pretty well producing operation so uh yeah take back some of that creativity and bring it to bring it to uh agriculture again like it once was and you can uh, still live out your dreams it just might have to look a little bit different than the standard mold yeah can't who if uh someone you know, little eight-year-old Kent who, you know, wore exclusively John Deere green and played with all his little toy combines and harvesters and whatnot. If they told you you'd get to farm, but instead of growing corn and beans, you would, and they'd tell you you'd have to grow a bunch of pretty flowers, would you... Uh, oh, I'd been all about it. I actually, at that, about that age, I thought I was going to be a Christmas tree farmer. Okay. I, okay. When wow. I, when I uh, Sorry up. to let your dreams down, Kent. Yeah. We don't do that hey. around here. I, I love what I do. 
I don't know if you've drove through Iowa, but we do not like trees here. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not a fan, true. apparently. No, no, ditch to true. ditch, baby. All right. We're at 15 minutes. Buy yourself a small yard because conservation happens one yard at a time. Beep, 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 beep,